We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. What a fantastic morning already. I just believe that anytime we get together and we spend some time in worship, God wants to prepare our hearts for something he wants to speak to us. So I've got a word for you today. We're going to be wrapping up this series in the fire that we've been in where Pastor Lance had just mentioned. We've been looking in the book of Daniel, and really the idea is how do we respond to a culture that has gone off the rails? The, the story of Daniel and his friends is really a unique story in that they were in a very secular culture. They were in bondage, actually. They were not in a place they wanted to be, but even in the place that was a place that many of us would complain about being in. They found a way to be a light in the middle of the darkness. So I'd say there's so many things that we can learn from, the, from their story. And we've been going all through this. If you've missed any of them, you can always go back and check it out on our podcast or our YouTube page and find all the messages there. But today, I really want to just wrap up the series with an idea. They're just looking over the whole book. How did they do it? How did Daniel do it? What was it about them that allowed them to have such a cultural impact and transform the culture that they were in while they were in it? So today's message is called Be Excellent to Each Other. Be Excellent to Each Other. And the new Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure just came out. So if you guys know, you guys remember that line from the, from the old ones. But um, we're going to talk about the, the spirit of and the power of love today the power of love and how that enables us to make an impact in our culture. So let's pray and let's ask for the help from the Spirit of God. Lord, we, help you so, we, we thank you so much that you help us in moments like this, where we open up your word, you reveal things to us that we don't see with our naked eyes. By your Spirit, we ask that you would reveal to us the necessity for love in today's culture. Help us understand that we are also bearers of this great gift. So Lord, I pray that you would teach us what it means, what it looks like, and I pray that today you would squash every bit of pride in us so that love could rise up, because that's who you are. So Lord, we just ask and we give you freedom to move in us today. We give you access to our hearts. We're available to you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me today as I preach to say all the things that belong in this message that are part of what you wanted to be said today. So Lord, we give it to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we also pray right now for our country. Let's just pray for a moment together. Lord, we lift up our country to you right now. There are so many things that we don't understand. There's so many, so many moments of darkness that seem to be covering our nation, but we know that you are the light of the world and we are lights like city on a hill. Lord, we thank you that you are calling us to be a light in our nation. So Lord, we ask that the church would rise up in the middle of this, in the middle of confusion and sickness and, and attack and demonic spirits that are trying to squelch and trying to stop your message from going forward. Lord, we ask right now that you would have your way. Lord, we pray for our president. Lord, we pray for all those in government. Lord, we ask that your spirit would be with them, that you would lead them and guide them, give them wisdom in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask that once again, your favor would return to our nation. Lord, I pray for a great awakening, and I pray that it begins in us. Lord, it begins in me. Lord, it begins in my family, and I pray that it would be a fire that would spread through this nation, bringing new hope, bringing life to this nation. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. 
Amen. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just kind of look through, just kind of recap some of Daniel really quick. But I wanted to give you just kind of an idea of, you know, there's, there's people in the Bible like Daniel who are really like heroes of the faith that you, you read him and you're like, man, that is what a hero this man was. And sometimes when I read stories about people like this in the Bible, I am shocked at how different I am than them. Um, how about about how much I am not like that. Like they would never write a book about me, but they've written a book about Daniel. And, you know, I was thinking about how Daniel really, his spirit was one of love and patience and concern about individual people. I've had a hard time with that. I'll just be honest with you. I am not the kind of person that, that is, I'm not patient. I'm not very patient, but I'm also, I'm not the kind of person who sees people. I see tasks. How many of you are task-oriented people? You're like, I'm just gonna get this thing done. Anybody? How many of you more, you say, I'm a people person. I care about people. I love their heart. I don't wanna offend anybody. I'm not like that at all. I'm like, I got, I got a job to get done. I leave a wake of people behind me. I'm just like, I need help. I wanna tell you about a number. The number is 12. And you're probably thinking, it's the amount of chapters he reads every morning, whenever he gets up. It's the amount of hours that he spends in prayer every week. Um, it is, you know, it's the amount of people that he led to the Lord this weekend. It's this, the number 12. That's my number, okay? It's not any of those things. It's the number of speeding tickets that I've gotten in my lifetime, okay? <laughs> Pastor Lance mentioned a few weeks ago, he's like, there's two kinds of people. The kinds of people that drive and they're like, oh, let's just stop right here. And the other kind of person who's like, I'm going to win. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to win. I'm going to get there. I, I think when I'm driving somewhere, I'm like, they're going to write a book about how legendary this trip was. I was weaving in and out of traffic. I was cutting people off, but I got there faster than anyone else. That's my perspective. I don't know why. Brooke's like, where are you going? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm going so fast, but I'm just, I got to get there. Now, I've not gotten a ticket in a long time, but I, I say that to say it is hard for me to see past, to, to not see people as obstacles in the way. And I think that if we're not careful, people, instead of them being the heart of God and the ones that we're called to reach, they can become like, you ever heard people say like climbing the corporate ladder? You know, like a lot of times climbing that ladder, the rungs are people. And as you're climbing over people, then you're getting somewhere, but you're, but you're missing the point of, of relationship with people. And, and Daniel had a really good perspective about people that I, if you're not learning from this message today, I know that I am. So I'm preaching at least to myself. But I remember there was a time before Brooke and I planted a church in Baton Rouge that I would watch our lead pastor and I would sit there and I would say to myself, I would never say it out loud because I'm so humble, but in my heart, I would say, I could do what he's doing and I could do a lot of what he's doing better until I did it myself and I realized not even close. <laughs> it's so much harder than I thought. But there's always been something in me where I've thought people are in my way. I'm going somewhere and people are stopping me from getting there. Daniel didn't look at people that way. Daniel looked at people as a possible opportunity to show them who God was. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that we see that Daniel impacted the culture every moment of his life. He impacted every person that he was in contact with and he transformed the culture around him. I'm gonna read a lot of scripture. I hope you love the scripture today, but I'm gonna read through a lot of verses just to help you to see a point. In Daniel 1 verse eight, it says this about Daniel and his three friends. It says, Daniel determined not to defile himself. So he's standing up for truth. He's standing up for what he believes in. He's not gonna defile himself by eating food and wine given to them by the king. But this and this, he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. 
So there's a, there's a conviction that he lives by, but he also has a spirit of honor. Daniel 2, verse 37, he's asked to interpret a dream, and this is how he responds. Your majesty, you're the greatest of all kings. And he's not just sucking up, but he sees an opportunity to be a voice in the king's ear. Daniel 2, verse 46 through 48, and 48, after he interprets the dream, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel, worshiped him. And then he appointed Daniel to a high position and made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon as well as chief over the wise men. So Daniel's honor led to him having influence and in impacting his culture. Verse three, um, chapter three, verse one in Daniel. I'm sorry, verse 18. We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, as, the, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are headed towards the flames. We want to make it clear to you, listen, they say, your majesty, they're honoring, but we're never going to serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. So there's a spirit of honor and a spirit of conviction. Then in verse, then in verse 28 and 30, it says, Nebuchadnezzar responded this way when they came out of the fire, untouched, as Pastor Lance just said, praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They defied the king's commands, were willing to die. And then it says in verse 30 that later the king promoted them to a higher position. So there's a spirit of honor, there's a spirit of conviction, but because of the honor, they were given influence and they were able to impact a nation. Verse, verse 19 of chapter 4. Daniel was again interpreting a vision that the king got. He says this, I wish these events foreshadowed in this dream would have happened to your enemies, my Lord, not you. This is a secular king. This is a king that took the Israelites into captivity. And he's saying, I wish it was someone else. It's fascinating to see this again and again. Daniel, Daniel 6, verse 14, Daniel was praying. And the law says that he would have to be thrown into a lion's den to be killed because he's worshiping a God other than the king. So the king is heartbroken hearing this. It says the king was deeply troubled because he loved Daniel. He tried to think of a way to save him, but he couldn't do it. Daniel spends a night in the lion's den. And whenever they open up the den the next morning, Daniel says this to the king. Long live the king. He just spent the whole night with lions around him. My God has sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions so that they would hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. What's wrong with Daniel? Like, if this was me and I was in the den, I would have been like, look to the lions and be like, sick them, boys. You know, like, I've got control over the lions now, you know? I'm like a lion whisperer. But Daniel didn't have that heart. It says in verse 26 of, Jan of Daniel 6, though, it says, after this, the king recognized this. He saw the honor. And this is how I responded. A decree that, I decree that everyone throughout the kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he will endure forever. Verse 28, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of, king, of Cyrus the Persian. And the reason I read all of this is I want you to understand, I want you to see this theme again and again and again. Daniel chooses to bring honor to dishonorable men, men who are not godly at all. Daniel's the man of God. Daniel's the one that they wrote the book about. I mean, he's the superstar. But he didn't try to elevate himself or climb over people to get to some certain position. He trusted that God elevates. So he was gonna present God in a situation he was in and trust God with the rest. See what happens. That's what Daniel did again and again. He chose to love the people around him, to be a witness for the name of God. And God began to elevate him, knowing that I can trust this man to, be, to faithfully represent me to the world, to the lost. 
And he did, and you see it. Not only does he just keep on getting influence and, and favor and power, he doesn't get all of that for himself. But I believe Daniel understood something that we need to understand as well. That the goal is not favor and prosperity, but the goal is gospel transformation, right? I want my circle, I want my world to be transformed by the life-changing power of Jesus. And that doesn't happen unless you have influence with people. And so many times we are such jerks to the world around us that no one wants to listen to what we have to say. But Daniel had influence with people because he chose to love the world around him and he used that, that influence and that favor to represent God. And he trusted God's gonna elevate me if he wants to. If that's God's plan, God's gonna do it. And I think that when favor and prosperity are put in the hands of a Daniel, then the world around them can't help but be changed. I wanna give you three points today that we see as results of a more excellent way, and we're gonna talk about why that title matters in just a moment. Here's the first thing, though, if you're taking notes. Our job isn't to close the deal. Our job is to represent Jesus. And here's why this matters to you. I hope this sets you free. This helps me a lot. Daniel simply represented God. He simply told the culture around him, God is the one who can answer this dream. God is the one that you need to turn to or your nation will fall apart. He kept, he kept pointing the, the glory back to God. He kept on re revealing God to the people and God would do his work. And sometimes I take the responsibility of like someone being saved in their life, being transformed. Sometimes I have taken that on myself and I can be like disappointed if a conversation with someone, if a prayer with someone doesn't lead to salvation or a life transformation. But can I just say you're free today? That is something only the Holy Spirit can do. You are, you are called to faithfully proclaim the word of God. Anytime you get a chance, you tell people about Jesus. You let them know. You represent Jesus in your life but you can't force anyone to change. There has to be a spirit of, you know what? I'm just trusting God's gonna do something with this, but I'm gonna be faithful with what I know I can do. I'm gonna be a mouthpiece and I'm gonna represent God. So whenever you have a church in the city, you, you experience things that are a little bit uh, more liberal than what you would experience here. Although I heard um, that even in the schools with a lot of the visitors coming to our state from all around different states that we're seeing more and more things like this. But I remember there was, right before we started our church, there was a person who contacted me by phone and they left a message and they said, hey, I'd love to meet with you if it's okay. And I'd love to hear what your church says about someone like me. I'd like to know if I would be welcomed at your church. And I assumed when I heard this voicemail that this was a gay man. So I, I said, absolutely, let's get coffee, let's talk. And so we get coffee, and as I'm meeting with this young man, um, this person opens up pretty quickly, and they say, I just want you to know that I'm a transgender man, and I want to know if I'd be welcome at your church. So this is the first time I've ever heard this. And I'm like, You've, you're going to need to forgive me for not being super educated and just tell me exactly what you mean. So they said, I was a female, but I've had... Um, I've had drugs given to me and I've had different surgeries and now I identify as, as a male. So I want to know if I'd be welcome at your church. And my response right away was, absolutely, you'll be welcome at my church. I want you to come to our church. 
Every person needs Jesus, no matter the background. But I want you to know you're probably going to hear some things that you don't like. There are going to be times that we're going to talk about sexuality and identity, and you're not going to like some of, the, some of our approach. But absolutely, you're welcome at our church. We want you to be there. So this person started coming to our church. I invited them to our house. They came for one of uh, the LSU games, one of the first games of the season. They were hanging out at our, church, at our house, getting to know people. Um, a few months into our church being open, they got baptized, admitted Jesus as Savior. And we thought, man, things are going amazing. This is awesome. And one day we told a story about a girl who was a lesbian and God had set free from that lifestyle and she had turned around. She gave her life to Jesus. She got married. She has kids now, all of that. And that story offended this person so much that they left the church. And they said, I was fine the way I was. Why are you telling me that I need to change? And, you know, our approach was never, you've got to change your stuff. Our approach from the beginning was we love you and we want you to feel welcome, but there's going to be a time when the Spirit of God speaks to you and you're going to have to make a decision about that. And that person didn't like that response. A couple of years later, we had something very similar happen with another transgender individual, and we loved this person, and they were invited to her. They came to their home multiple times. I got dinner and coffee with this person multiple times explaining what I believe Scripture clearly says about identity and sexuality. And they stayed for a while, but eventually didn't like our stance on certain things and left. I, I tell you that because I felt defeated as a pastor for a long time with both of those situations. I questioned, did I handle those things right? Did I say something wrong? Was I judgmental? Did I, did I, did I not have wisdom in certain things? Did I, did I not put them in ministry? Should I put them in ministry? Should I not have? Should I, what did I do wrong? And one day I realized after just talking with my wife and talking with some other people, I felt like God was saying, you did the right thing. You obeyed, you followed. That's not your job to transform a person. It's not your role to fix a person's problem. And, and, and I, it, for some reason, it just helped me so much because I think that whenever we lead with, people are like this thing I gotta fix. Their problems are something I've gotta fix. And, and, and I just, and if I don't fix it, then I failed. If we lead with that, then we tend to lead with legalism. It's really hard to love people that you've got to fix. It's really hard to love people that, that we're trying to close the deal. It's like, come on, make a decision, make a decision, do something. Salvation is not about closing a deal. It's, they're, not, they're not a business, there's not a business like transaction. They're people that Jesus died for. And my position and my role and our, our heart should be, I want to present Jesus. I want to represent Jesus. And change comes by truth. But if you don't have grace, you don't have influence. So you need to be the kind of people that lead with influence as well. If you're going to influence culture, you've got to have as much grace as you have truth. And, and I'm almost seeing the opposite in culture today. And it's not just Christians, it's everybody. Everybody has their own truth that they've got to, that they've got to speak. And we live in a, a very vitriolic culture. I don't know if that's a word, vitriolic. I just said it. But Pastor Lance does it too, so I'm just going to say some. I'm just going to make up words. <laughs> I want you to see this, though, 1 Corinthians 12. This is so cool, and this is where the title comes from. 1 Corinthians 12, 30. I love this because this is a, a chapter where you see, you see this celebration of spiritual gifts. But then listen how it wraps up. It says in verse 30, Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? And do all interpret? Earnestly desire the best gifts. So desire those gifts, but listen to this. I will show you a more excellent 
way. And if you went to many churches today, you might ask the question, what's more excellent than spiritual gifts? We live in a, we, we are in a church that celebrates spiritual gifts. And I am so grateful for that. But there is something scripture says apparently that even is more excellent than spiritual gifts. What could that possibly be? And I want to show you something. So Judah, can you come and help me out with something for a second? Judah's going to come and help us with an illustration. But I want you to see in the meantime that there is a, there's a word, that word excellent in the Greek is a really cool word. The word is shipobole, and it means this. It means a throwing beyond excess, superiority, excess, surpassing excellence, and preeminence. That's what that word excellence means. So it doesn't just mean that it's better. It means it's way better, okay? So I'm gonna show you something. Let's see. Let me help you out here, buddy. Okay, take that first one. This first one says prophecy, okay? Prophecy. Okay, let's step over here. Now let's give that first one a little toss. Prophecy has about this much effect. Okay, let's just, just we're just winging it here. Obviously, there's no formula to this, but I'm just gonna give you an illustration. This one says tongues, okay? All right, how powerful is that? Here we go. Look, it goes pretty far. So these are pretty effective, but this one says love, okay? Love. How far can that one go? Let's see. Whoa, check that out. Awesome. Good job, bud. Proud of you. That's good throws. All right, you can go back to your seat, bud. Thank you. Unless you want to preach, preach with me. Here's the reason I show you that. Because when you look at the language, I love how language, like when you dig a little bit deeper, it shows you something. There is incredible value in spiritual gifts that God gives us. We can't actually, Jesus said, what did he say? He said, you're gonna change the world around you when you wait for my spirit to come and he's gonna give you these gifts and you're gonna, you're gonna be able to do things that you could never do on your own with these spiritual gifts. It's not that prophecy or tongues or the gift of generosity or evangelism are not important. They're hugely, they're massive. But sometimes we focus on those things thinking maybe it's, it's like a magic pill it's like the diet pill that like, if I just do that, it'll fix everything. You can't get away from love. We have to learn how to be loving individuals. Without a spirit of love, you can't influence culture. Without a spirit of love, love is the more excellent way. It is better than any other option. And listen to what's crazy. That word for, for more excellent that you see at the end of Second Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, it says that it's a more excellent, it's way better than anything else. It's the same root word that you see in Ephesians 3.20, where it says that God is able to do exceedingly above and beyond anything we could ask or imagine. So that same description of how amazing God is and what his power is, is the same expectation on what love is able to do. So the combination of love and God's power, nothing's impossible. See, the, our responsibility is love. It's exceedingly beyond anything we could do, and it is more powerful than anything that we could conjure up. But that, in combination with God's spirit moving, you can't help but transform the world around you. It's gonna change. So that's the first thing you've gotta know is that our job's not to close a deal. We wanna represent Jesus. We wanna represent Jesus. Second thing is this, winning people, boy, this is a challenge, is more important than winning arguments. Winning people is more important than winning arguments. And here's why it's a problem. The choice is often either you win the argument or you win the person, right? And so it's so hard to do both. I don't know that I've ever done both, won the argument and won the person. Because when you win the argument, it's like, told you. I just showed you, right? 
And we've got a culture right now when you scroll on your Facebook feed or you turn on the news or anything, everyone is trying to win the argument. And while we're winning the argument, we're trampling on humanity. We're trampling on, on each other. We're stepping all over each other to win the argument. What argument? What does it even matter? All the things that we're fighting over today, they don't even matter in the grand scheme of things. They're going to evaporate whenever the world is done. But we are called to represent God, and you cannot represent God without love. It's impossible. You, can't, you just can't do it. So and I want you to think about this. If Daniel was a jerk, we wouldn't know about Daniel. There'd be no book. The reason you know about him was because of the spirit of love and honor that came out of him. Relationship, I think, is the missing key in today's, like, cancel culture. Have you heard this term, cancel culture? Someone says something wrong and they get canceled. Nobody, it's like boycotting, basically. I grew up in the 80s. My mom boycotted everything from, Swir from Smurfs to G.I. Joe to, uh, to everything. Everything got boycotted. Well, basically, we're boycotting people now. It's called canceling. So we cancel everybody from Drew Brees to Ellen. So it's, it's, it's nonpartisan. We just cancel everybody. You get offended at somebody, they don't matter. I'm not listening to what they say anymore. We're trampling over people. It is part of who we are now. Someone offends you, they get canceled. And because of that, it is impossible for us to look at people as more valuable than just a, a conversation to be won, an argument to win. People are so much more than that. We've got to see people as the reason Jesus came and gave his life. If we don't see people that way, we're missing the whole point. I think that, I don't, know about, I don't know about you, but I see this, that we've got a spirit of, I'd rather preach my convictions, even if they're not really convictions. They're my idea. Where'd your idea come from? Maybe it came from the news. Maybe it came from you know, a conversation with someone at work. Maybe it is biblical, but whatever it is, we choose to preach our convictions over care for people, over love for people. We have no concern about how, people, how it will land with people. And here's why the church is becoming less and less relevant and we are headed towards, I was talking to someone the other day who was a missionary to Switzerland. And they said, Switzerland is such a post-Christian nation and it's so sad to be there. But now that we're back in the States, we see signs of the U.S. heading that direction. And I think one of the reasons that we see that it's because the church has lost its influence in culture. And the way you get influence is by honoring people, by respecting each other, by loving people. And the church has chosen, just like everyone else, to choose the side of a boxing ring. You know, I'm gonna fight. We're gonna fight for the rights. We're gonna fight for our beliefs instead. And there are things you gotta stand up and you gotta fight for. And it's not like Daniel and his friends didn't stand up and fight, they did. But they led with love. They led with honor. They didn't just fight. And I think what's interesting is here's why the world's canceling the church too. It's because they're getting division from everywhere. It sounds the same from the church. So they're getting division from the church. They're getting, you need to choose a side. You need to vote this way. You need to believe like we do. Why would the world want more division with a Christian sticker on it? It's the same thing. Why would they want more fighting but with a Christian sticker on it? We have to look different. We have to speak different. We have to learn to honor and pray for and believe for the best. And you see that, you saw that just a second ago that Daniel was like, I wish that this doom that's coming to you, King, would not happen to you. I wish it wouldn't. But we need to return to God. 
You see that spirit in there. And I love this in verse 1 Corinthians 13 at the beginning. And you guys know this chapter so well, but I love how it responds. And it says, if you don't have love, here's what it really looks like whenever you're talking. Verse 13, if I could speak all the languages, I'm sorry, verse one, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You're loud, you're making a lot of noise, you're making your point, you're really dropping the bomb out there. You're really like, man, people are schooled. You're telling everybody, you should be so proud of yourself and how harsh that was, but you're just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had faith that I could move mountains, which would be amazing, but I didn't love anybody, I'd be nothing. All of those things, it's, it's crazy to me. It's like those are the kinds of things Jesus did. It's like, man, if I, could, if I could walk around and do stuff like Jesus, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't people just like, wouldn't people just respond? You know, people like paid attention to Jesus because of his miracles, but they believed in and followed him because of his love. And I think that's one of the things that is so missing that we're like, we're looking for the power and the power is not just in the signs and the wonders, but it's in the spirit of love that the church needs to have. If I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. And there's a lot of boasting today. There's a lot of boasting. There's a lot of tooting our own horns today. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. There would be no eternal consequence to any of the loud noises that I made. There would be no eternal consequence to all of the stuff I said, to all of the posts that I put out there that really let everyone know it. I've discovered that my most hardline moments, the moments when I've been the most legalistic and had the hardest things to say, they usually come out of pride. They don't usually come from love. So if you find yourself speaking in that way, check, check where that's coming from. Check your source. See where it comes from. Here's the last thing I want you to look at. Last, for, last point that you're going to write down, hopefully this helps you. The fruit of the Spirit is as important as the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is as important as the gifts of the Spirit. One of the fruit of the Spirit, love. We've got to be people who love people around us. And we want to, don't get me wrong, we celebrate the gifts of the Spirit so much in this church. I love it and I need, it. I need the gifts of the Spirit in my life to make a difference. But we don't worship, we don't worship those things. We want to be people who are our source for everything is love. God is just concerned about working in you as he is about working through you. It's not just about what, he, what you can do for him, but he's like, I, know, I want to get a hold of your heart. I want to transform you from the inside out. C.S. Lewis said this, God doesn't want something from us. He simply wants us. He doesn't just want you to do something for him. He wants you. He wants your heart. So I want you to think about this as you focus on and you think about love and spiritual gifts and how those things fit together. Spiritual gifts aren't weapons to be yielded, but they're tools to be used. It's a tool in your hand. But if the source, if our heart is wrong, if, if our source isn't love, then we're missing the point the whole time. And we're not gonna influence and impact culture without a spirit of love. And here's what I've noticed about myself. When I'm legalistic and when I'm judgmental and when I'm not very loving, it's often because I've forgotten what Jesus has done for me. I've forgotten how much he's loved me. Isn't it true that like, it's impossible to even know how to love unless you've experienced love. We love because he first loved us. 
And I've always thought of it like this. I remember in driver's ed, they taught you to look out of the windshield 90% of the time. And every now and then you glance in your rear view, you glance in your side mirrors to make sure that you're not putting other people in danger. But you can't drive looking backwards, looking at where you've been. You need to look forward. But every now and then you need to be reminded of the road you just traveled and those who are coming up with you. And I've thought that in my spiritual life, if I don't recall every now and then what God has brought me through, then I'm a lot more of a danger to those on the road with me. There's a time I have to look back and I'm not gonna look back and say, oh, I'm still a sinner, I'm still what, I'm still this and that. But every now and then I glance back and I say, Lord, thank you for where you took me. Thank you that I'm not where I used to be. Thank you that I used to be this, I used to be dead, but now I'm alive. I used to be lost, but now I'm found. I used to be blind, but now I see. Thank you that you did all of that in me. And if you forget where you came from, then you're always looking at everyone else as you gotta come up to where I am because I'm so righteous, I'm so perfect, I'm so holy. If you don't come up to where I am, you're missing it. But instead, our witness is if it wasn't for God, I'd be where you are too. And, and it's because of what Jesus did in me that there is any hope for me. And I know that he wants to give the same thing to you. Last verse I wanna to read to you. In Luke 23, Jesus is on the cross. In the moment that he came for, the moment that he came for, it says that he was placed between two thieves. He was in the center of sinners, which is what he came to do, to be in the center of sinners. In verse 33 of Luke 23, it says, they came to the place called the skull and they nailed him to the cross. The criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched as the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said, but he let him save himself. If he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering a drink of sour wine. They called out, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. The sign was fastened above him with these words in mockery. This is the king of the Jews on a cross. Couldn't save himself. And one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. You're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. And the reason I read this today is I feel like when I, when I get online and when I look at my heart, I feel like I've got to prove myself to the world. I gotta prove myself. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this news article that I saw out there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let everyone know, this is why you're wrong and I'm right. Jesus proved himself to the world in humility. He could have given himself a good name in that moment, but he knew that he didn't have to because in three days he would be given the name above every other name. And what he was about to do would trump that moment that would have been just a selfish moment, get off the cross, miss the whole point. But he chose to serve humanity in humility, in the middle of thieves, in the middle of accusations, when he could have proven to the whole world, I am, I am Jesus, I am the Messiah, I am the one. He's like, the time's not right yet. 
I'm going to let the Father determine that time. And I think this is where we find ourselves today. That there is a world. I'm going to ask two men to come up here and help me with something, if you don't mind. Just two guys, come up and stand up here. I need two guys for an illustration. Thanks, Pete. One other. Thanks, John. Appreciate it, John. There is a world out there that is lost, and they, they honestly know it. They're looking everywhere. I'm going to ask you guys to stand right up here. This is what we end up doing as Christians so many times. We end up looking at the world, and we're hurling things at them. We're letting them know how wrong they are. Here's a tweet to fix your life. Here's a, here's a statement that's going to burn you. It's going to embarrass you. I'm going to really let you have it. And this is how oftentimes Christians respond to a world that's lost. Throwing stuff at them. Change, change. Come over here. Come over here. What did Jesus do? Literally, at the moment of his death, he was between the sinners. He got in with the sinners. You can't do that if you don't love sinners. You can't do that if you don't love people. Now, when I'm in the middle of them, there's going to be moments where you still lose some of those battles. One of them, one of the thieves still mocked Jesus to his death. The other saw there was something about him. You don't belong in the middle with me. You don't belong on this cross with me. Would you remember me today? Jesus was available to both. He still lost one. He's Jesus. And there was still one that didn't listen. But Jesus knew that I'm called to be right here, right in the middle. I'm laying down my life for humanity. I think that we miss it so much whenever we just hurl accusations, hurl insults, try to fix the world from the outside. Jesus says, I'm going to be right there. I'm going to be found right there, right in the middle. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. So I want to ask you today, I want to challenge you. What is your driving spirit? Is it a spirit of pride? Is it a spirit of love? What leads your heart? What leads your intentions? Because we can't, we are called, we're all called to make an impact in our world, but you can't do it without love. And one of the things I think has to happen is we've got to remember, Jesus, you did it for me. You did it for me. So I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes. Let the Spirit of God speak to you right now. Maybe you're here in the room today or maybe you're online. And as you heard me speak, especially as I talk about Jesus being in the mix, being in the middle, maybe you're challenged today that if He did that, if He came for me, I need that Savior. Maybe you're a Christian and your heart is all of a sudden broken because you realize I've forgotten how much it costs to save me. Isn't it funny how sometimes we look at people and we judge them and we say, wow, they really need Jesus. Nobody needs Jesus more than the next person. You needed him just as much as the person you might be judging. But if we forget it, if we lose that, we can't love. So I'm gonna ask you today, maybe you're here and for the first time you wanna say, I need Jesus. Maybe you're the, you're the kind of person that at some point you've made a decision about Jesus, but you have forgotten your first love. And you need to return to Jesus today and you say, I need a fresh touch from Jesus. I wanna to return to Jesus. I wanna hear his heart again. 
If that's you, if you would say, I need Jesus to touch my life. I need to be transformed. I need to become a new person and only Jesus can do it. If that's you, could you just lift your hand? No one looking around. It's a moment between you and God. Thank you. I see it. Thank you. If you're online, thank you. I see it. I see it. If you're online, let us know by commenting in the comments saying, I believe. I believe. I want to do something. I want to pray together. We're going to pray a prayer of just repentance before Jesus. That we need him. And then I'm going to ask us all to stand and we're just going to respond and say yes to a spirit of love together. So let's say this together. Let's just pray a prayer of repentance together. Let's say, Lord Jesus, I need you today. I know that you came to this earth as the perfect son of God and you died a sinner's death on a cross, my death. I thank you for offering to me new life. So today I walk into that. I leave behind who I used to be and I choose to let you have access. Transform my life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we all stand up together? I wanna spend just a moment. I wanna spend just a moment in a, in a spirit of worship. And I want you to do this. No matter what your story is, we can all use a little bit more love in the way we speak, in the way that we think of others. And as we sing this song, I'm gonna give you a couple of different options. You can, you can respond and ask someone to pray with you. Hey, pray that I would have a spirit of love. Or maybe you've got something else that you need prayer for. Whatever it is, we've got people at our lighted prayer banners for you, ready to pray with you in this moment. But in this moment, as we worship, let's just let our heart align with God's heart, that we would see people the way that He does. Lord, we thank You so much for this moment, for this moment of worship where we are reminded of Your heart for me personally, for us personally. And Lord, because You've done that for us, you're trying to show us how, by example, to love the world around us. So Lord, give us the spirit of love. Give us the spirit of passion for this world, for this culture, for the lost. Help us, Lord, to be lights, to be a, like a city on a hill lighting up the world around us. In Jesus' name, we are yours. We have we've given you access to us. Use us for your glory in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.